Investable Universe is about thematic topics in real assets investing. This is what we mean by the global market of things, real estate, infrastructure, land, energy, and other commodities that have historically been viewed as boring old income investments. But take a look at the shifts underway in these asset classes, from industry disruptors to new investors to emerging markets to geopolitics, and you'll find these assets are very interesting. We'll talk about private equity, venture capital, corporate VC, sovereign wealth funds, listed markets, crazy startups, some old guard investment firms, some maverick entrepreneurs, and some paradigm-shifting technologies. One thing is certain, no corner of the global market of things will be left untouched by the changes happening right now, and that's what we talk about on this podcast. So the next phase of the Arctic region's economic evolution will be data-driven, and that brings new focus, new demands, and new opportunities for investment in the region's telecommunications infrastructure network. Digital real estate, whether above the ground through data centers or cell towers or under the icy surface of the Arctic Ocean, will be key to powering almost every other industry in the region. For perspectives on the Arctic telecommunications challenge, I'm joined by Mac McHale, Chief Revenue Officer of Anchorage, Alaska's Quintillion, the owner-operator of a submarine and terrestrial high-speed fiber <coughs> Optic cable system that already spans the Alaskan Arctic and connects to the lower 48 U.S. states. Mikhail has 30 years experience in the development and management of broadband telecommunications infrastructure development and has negotiated broadband contracts extensively with the U.S. government and private equity markets. We're going to hear about what's different about doing this in the chilly Arctic. Mac Mikhail, thank you for speaking with Investable Universe Arctic Futures today. Oh, thank you for having me, Rebecca. Appreciate the invitation. So Look forward to the be, talk. This is going to be a great conversation because this is just a, ah, it's it's incredible. So what what is the what do you think is the estimated dollar value of the Arctic telecom infrastructure market? You know, if you could that's a on. that's a that's a really complicated question. Let me speak first to um, what's in what we see as the U.S. Arctic, and we look at that market as about a two and a half to three billion dollar market from our perspective. And our perspective includes essentially you know fiber infrastructure, microwave infrastructure satellite data centers and so on. So we're looking at about a three, $3 billion opportunity, but the Pan-Arctic region is much bigger than that. I mean, it involves eight countries, mm-hmm. large land mass, and, uh, and you know, lots of different opportunities for data centers and so on. So mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, if I, if I were to have to put a, put a price tag on it, you know, I, again, I'd say you're talking about eight countries with Russia, Canada, Denmark, uh, the U.S., Iceland, Norway, Sweden, and Finland all making up that uh, that pan-Arctic um, uh, population, so to speak. That's about a five hundred billion dollar economy uh, annually, and we're thinking that you know the uh, infrastructure related to uh, communications, broadband, data centers is probably in that twenty-five to thirty billion range, but growing, and and the growth of drivers are you know essentially. Um, Sea ice is melting. Commercial routes are opening up. Uh, there's exploration for natural resources in the area. And of course, there will also be, um, I, I, I think, a rush to building a shortest route, low latency networks between Asia mm-hmm. and Europe through the Arctic mm-hmm. and through specifically through the North American Arctic. Wow. So what kind of so those are incredible growth drivers, obviously very compelling, uh, you know, geopolitical, uh, you know, larger secular drivers. What what growth rate do you expect to see over the next, let's say, decade? Well, we're looking at I mean, I've seen some studies from Guggenheim and and so on that basically talk about on the Pan-Arctic region investment up to a trillion 
a trillion dollars over the next 15 years. Wow. You know, with, with 750 billion of that being identified projects today and another 250 billion expected growth. So, but I think there's there's a there's a confluence of things going on here, which is not only uh, terrestrial and subsea data, but also data from space. Yeah. And that's where we see, you know, a real, real opportunity. So when you, when you look at, um, uh, you know, wh- where does the, where does the infrastructure stand today? Mm-hmm. Uh, where would you put it in terms of, you know, overall development? I'd say that it's, uh, you know, likely a, it would be considered a moderately developed infrastructure. Uh-huh. And that's, that's because we're talking about very unique challenges in the Arctic, Sure. right? Sure. So those challenges include climate uh, the landscape, density of population, mm-hmm. lack of roads, complex permitting process, mm-hmm. and all of those things kind of add up to um, add up to you know significant costs. Sure. So I mean, the message there is, if you're 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 building infrastructure in the Arctic, do your planning, do your homework, understand your costs, understand the challenges that you're going to have. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, it is going to cost you a little bit more than, say, building in a uh, in a in a lower 48 uh, region. You know, just to give you an anecdote, in Alaska alone, there are 300 communities that are um, not connected by a road in any way. Uh-huh. So everything everything that happens in those communities uh, happens with a boat, a plane, mm-hmm. or a snowmobile. So mm-hmm. so you know, very very challenging challenging environment. So that when you go to a, when when you begin a construction project on like telecommunications infrastructure, is it possible to sort of leapfrog into that construction uh, when you when you lack roads or traditional like the the traditional you know infrastructure uh, type uh, type implements? Well, again, I think it takes proper planning. I mean, if mm-hmm. you target an area to expand, so we're we're looking at expansions that include, you know, expanding from our existing fiber network to other areas around the state mm-hmm. uh, of Alaska. But also, and I'll come back to this, we're also looking at expansions that will basically uh, utilize Alaska as kind of the bridge between um, Asia and mm-hmm. and Europe as well. So. Um, yeah, we're not not just not just focused on um, you know the the internal communication infrastructure in Alaska, mm-hmm. but also also you know more a more global picture. Mm-hmm. So I come back to the essence of your question again. I'm not sure that I answered it, and I'd like to. <laughs> well, let's talk a little about the current state of, of telecom infrastructure in the region. If you can maybe set, you've, you've talked about sort of what the challenges are because there's not, yeah. uh, you know, because it's uh, obviously it's uh, the, I, the environment is rapidly evolving or changing uh, based on what it has been at the same time that we have these new technologies emerging where, I mean, there's, there's infrastructure, there are demands for telecommunications infrastructure build out everywhere around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Arctic, it seems we have the added challenge of not a lot of brown field uh, telecom infrastructure and also just the lack of other you know as you as you mentioned the lack of roads uh, maybe the lack of you know it's a snowmobile oriented <laughs> culture yeah, yeah. Ta- again we, we we do have all those challenges but again yeah. I, I think the first component is one know your terrain know yeah. know your environment and mm-hmm. and what what um what deals can you do based on you know seasonality so there's okay. some things from a subsea fiber optic standpoint, you're not able to do during certain seasons because of ice cover and so on. Yeah. So some things you're not able to do uh, on, on a terrestrial basis because of, you know, sensitive uh, tundra and, and environmental issues like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, an example of something we did during a kind of a down season was, you know, we have we have our fiber optic infrastructure that spans from uh, Nome in the Seward Peninsula up mm-hmm. the northwest Arctic and across the North Slope 
of Alaska. It's about a 1,200 mile uh, network. And what we just recently did, we did it um, over the end of 2020 during the pandemic, and we completed the installation of of this um, uh, what I'll what I'll call a high latitude data acquisition site mm-hmm. in Yukiavik, Alaska. So it basically connects the subsea fiber optic infrastructure to a a satellite teleport at the highest latitude location mm-hmm. on U.S. soil, mm-hmm. and we that's that's right now that's in partnership with um, um, Atlas Space Operations, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it involves again a, um, a satellite downlink at mm-hmm. 72 degrees latitude. Right now, we have an existing antenna online and taking you know polar trap pol- polar based traffic, mm-hmm. and we're looking to expand that significantly. So it's um, again trying to unify essentially not just, you know, what goes on inside Alaska, uh, what's going to happen intercontinentally, but also data coming from space. So mm-hmm. that uh, that satellite uh, teleport uh, or high latitude data acquisition site will be mm-hmm. used for, you know, taking uh, polar orbit satellite downlinks that include high resolution imagery, remote sensing, earth observation, navigation issues, climate management, and so mm-hmm. on. And so forth, and we we uh, we installed, turned it up, and like I said, we're taking commercial traffic on that now as we speak. So that's that's an example of one of the things that you do when, you know, you've got frozen ground, you can sure. operate on, the, on a terrestrial, and not so much in the subsea in the subsea yeah. market. So it sounds like I mean, so do you do you see a space based mm-hmm. telecom infrastructure as, you know, this is a, that this is a unique test case for the Arctic region that the Arctic is going to come to rely more on space based telecom infrastructure than other regions of you know. Closer to the equator. Type, yeah, well, type we, we do. We do think so, and not yeah. not to confuse the. You know, there's a there's a lot of uh, press on Leos, mm-hmm. uh, the low Earth uh, low right. Earth orbit uh, satellite space with SpaceX and and OneWeb and so on. But we're also talking about the polar orbit satellite uh, data that is not necessarily solely communications oriented. Mm-hmm. It's again more Earth observation and remote sensing and so on. So we see we see both of those things kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. And look at the Arctic as a perfect place to mm-hmm. install and to you know basically capture this data, process it on site, uh-huh. or uh, transport it to the um, major internet exchanges in the lower 48. Right. So you know again we think we think there's um, you know the, the the Leo has a place mm-hmm. uh, for sure. It's not been demonstrated yet, and mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, hope and optimism for it, and, and you know we're on that page as well. Mm-hmm. We, so we see that as a growth area. We see long haul fiber mm-hmm. around the coast of, of Alaska, uh, in the U.S. side and on through Canada uh, as a growth area. And mm-hmm. we also see the emergence of cloud and data centers, mm-hmm. you know, in these cooler climates being, uh, right. being a possibility as well. Yeah. So apropos of data centers in cooler climates, can you talk a little about the environmental footprint of uh, of data center uh, technology in, in general, and what if any renewable energy solutions or other tech integrations can be used to mitigate that footprint? I mean, as you mentioned, many of the countries that are involved in Arctic development, I mean, these are Scandinavian countries, they have not only cool climates, but also a very vocal commitment to renewable energy sources. <laughs> they're very, right. uh, you know, they're right. very involved on that count. So let's talk a little about the energy. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, the um, you know a huge portion of the energy budget for any data center is uh, is based on you know cooling, uh, right. cooling these you know, high density computers and storage arrays and so on. Mm-hmm. And we're using a- ambient weather 
uh, to help with the cooling and operating costs. So we're exploring, and and, and now we we essentially have on the planning board mm-hmm. a um, uh, a data center in Utkiavik in the high latitude location I mentioned to you earlier. Yep. And we're looking at all sorts of different uh, energy sources there. So of course, you know, there's there's obviously uh, local natural gas, but we're also looking at solar and wind, mm-hmm. geothermal. And we're, we're, we haven't decided on the mix of those, but we're driving toward a, a low to, you know, a, a low to no uh, carbon footprint on mm-hmm. those data centers as well. Now, those, those data centers are going to start out small. We'll likely start out with, uh, you know, kind of a modular mm-hmm. uh, installation and grow on that as, mm-hmm. as the business grows. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, again, it is a, uh, it's a, it's a, uh, a very interesting environment for, uh, emerging data centers. I mean, you're seeing you're seeing growth in that area all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iceland and Norway are perfect examples of that, mm-hmm. and they're using those you know those green energy sources uh, to to good use, and you know both hydro, solar, geothermal, and so on. So, you know, we think there's a once once we start uh, seeing the commercial routes through the Arctic open mm-hmm. up, so and, and broadband avenues as well, connecting Asia. To Europe through the North uh, uh, North American Arctic, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to see more fertile ground for data centers mm-hmm. because the data center needs uh, fiber optic infrastructure right. and it needs those it needs, needs those uh, natural conditions that exist in cooler climates. Right. So, and and uh, just mention a little. You, you mentioned modular data centers. Do you think that, given the sort of newness of the environment and the need for sort of like a fast, you know, fast infrastructure build out in this kind of difficult climate, that you'll see more of a trend toward building these smaller slash modular data centers in these? Uh, we think so. We think so. Mm-hmm. We think that uh, you know it's a great way to seed an area and to yeah. basically go in at a lower cost. Sure. And and you know with more of a manageable infrastructure than um, you know do it do it uh, you know do a forty thousand square foot data center mm-hmm. <laughs> and they will come those yeah. those days are kind of over and yeah. uh, you know being a being a long time telecom vet I've I've been down those roads so you know we're going to look at we're going to look at having the infrastructure in terms of actual land that we need to mm-hmm. expand but we will grow the infrastructure incrementally in terms mm-hmm. of the data center. Mm-hmm. Uh, data center fabric and, and cloud exchange. So let's talk about current investment trends in Arctic telecom infrastructure. Are you seeing, are you observing uh, heightened interest from private equity funds? Is this venture capital driven? I can imagine that sovereign wealth funds, which have been wildly interested in digital real estate in recent years, might be taking a look at the Arctic. What are, what are you seeing? Yeah, we're, uh, I mean, we are, we are owned by a private equity a firm out of New York, Cooper Investment Partners, as well as Alaska Native Corps mm-hmm. uh, here in the state of Alaska. And there, there are lots of discussions going on um, within the private equity world, uh, folks trying to you know, really understand uh, doing business in the Arctic. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing, again, the increase is going to, uh, is going to really be driven by uh, interconnecting you know, three major continents, Asia, mm-hmm. uh, North America, and Europe. Uh, with broadband complemented with, you know, opening uh, sea routes and so on. So I think that you're going to see more and more, you know, you know private equity firms uh, that are interested in in uh, leverageable infrastructure, mm-hmm. uh, looking at these things more and more and more. So, um, you know, there's also, there's also government and right. military applications mm-hmm. through there as well. And I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at and keeping an eye on, you know, what's going on to support 
our military efforts and, and uh, you know, whether that's connecting bases, um, you know, providing ground station capabilities, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so that, that will all, that will all be, you know, a continuing process and it'll be a driver, I think for growth for, mm-hmm. for years to come. So again, um, you know, I think we're seeing some, we're seeing some proof in places like Iceland yeah. uh, with their data center growth and things like things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And that can be, I mean, that's, that's driven by location, mm-hmm. uh, driven by climate, it's cl- driven by having access to fiber optics. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know certain communities of interest vectoring all to a point, uh, which again is where we we're thinking our northernmost um, uh, site will be a uh, uh, you know will be a uh, will be a landing point for, mm-hmm. for all of that data. So you know again just to reiterate on the data centers, I mean you know building data centers with one hundred percent green sustainable energy, having a skilled workforce, mm-hmm. having a you know a developed IT community. Um, and you know all, all all good ingredients to to yeah. see the uh, the Arctic regions uh, seeded and continue to grow. Sure. So, are private equity investors? Do, I mean, do you think, or in your in your estimation or your experience, are they are they hesitant to jump into the Arctic region too quickly because of the government slash military considerations? Maybe because of the environmental considerations. I mean, it seems like there is, to an extent, there there could potentially be reputational risk if you invest and it goes wrong, yeah. or you find yourself on the wrong side. You know, you don't want to be associated with a project that you know right. fails or, or doesn't uh, you know. Isn't properly. Well, I, it I, is you know, I think I think everyone's everyone's in agreement that you know the ice is melting. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, uh, which is opening commercial routes and yeah. you know making making uh, making some improvements there on, in terms of the shipping industry with, yeah. with economies there. Um, you know, lots of uh, lots of lots of signs pointing to the Arctic's going to open, and right. you know, once we unlock some of those uh, you know those resources because of the changing climate, um, you know, we're going to be. Uh, we're going to be unlocking a potential that hasn't heretofore been been really addressed. So, looking forward to that. I think there is a ton of opportunity. Uh, I think there's more than we've ever thought. Sure. And again, that's because of again the confluence of space uh, to ground communications, and that's going to be even more of a more of a driver than any of us think. I think. I mean, if you ask folks ten years ago what you know what the demand looked like for just internet overall, right. Um, the the most aggressive estimates would be an underestimate right now based on what's actually happened and mm-hmm. and the pandemic has certainly amplified all of that put a real spotlight on the need for you know broadband connectivity as a way to you know kind of link the globe yeah well you know it's interesting because the arctic has certain earmarks of an emerging market in the sense that it hasn't been investable previously and yet the countries all involved in this in this space are I mean, these are developed economies. <laughs> these are wealthy economies, and so it's interesting. Mean, it's it's just interesting. It's an emerging market that's not right. Is that maybe an accurate way to look at it? Well, it's an emerging market that's like you you mentioned earlier. It's 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 difficult to to operate in some right. of these environments, and it's not it's not impossible. Uh-huh. And um, again, I think I think the the homework that one needs to do when looking at an investment. Is is probably more thorough and yeah. you know less understood than in say the lower forty eight some of these other developed economies you talked about. Mm-hmm. So I think there's there's some of that. Let's you know let's not put let's not put a, you know make an investment that doesn't end up panning out. There's also a lot of there's a lot of government money now in the U S at least yeah. uh, coming into you know these rural areas to help support the build out of infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, we, we, uh, we're looking to take advantage of that, but yeah. we also think that that's not, you know, a long-term, we shouldn't look at that as a long-term viable source of funds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's intended to address a, you know, a, 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 an outcome of the pandemic essentially, I think. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's good because it'll accelerate things, but, you know, once those assets are built, they've also got to be operated and maintained Mm-hmm. And that's expensive in the Arctic as well. So sure. all those things need to be considered. You need to go in with your eyes open and, uh, and uh, you know, think, think big, you know, because yeah. again, I don't know that our company would, um, would be satisfied with just providing services in the U.S. Arctic. I mean, mm-hmm. we're looking at our network as kind of a bridge or a gateway between two continents or three mm-hmm. continents and and to space. So that's that's what will make it, you know, bring it'll bring volume to the network, which is, you know, the value of the network is directly related to the number of participants on the network. So right. we need more and more subscribers on the network and yeah. that's what we're driving to do. So so you've got it seems that among you know, this a small clutch of companies that have experience in the Arctic, Quintilian has quite a head start. I mean, you've been doing this for quite some time. Can you talk a little about your company history as well as I mean we mentioned in the in the intro that you have 30 years of broadband telecom infrastructure yeah. experience? Talk a little about sure. what brought you to this region. Yeah, happy to. Happy to. Well, what brought me to the region was, you know, the challenge. And yeah. uh, uh our CEO George Trounger and I have worked in a number of different companies, uh typically growing or fixing something and and that that type of thing. Not not usually the boring day-to-day uh, management of a business, but mm-hmm. you know, usually something that's you know got a little <clears throat> requires a little energy behind it. So, uh, so that was one. Uh, the uh, and I think it really boils down to the challenge. It's something different. It's uh, and and it certainly is. So we we have been uh, uh, up and running on phase one of the network, which again, for the listeners, the uh, phase one of our network is a is a subsea fiber optic network that spans from the Seward Peninsula on the west coast of Alaska mm-hmm. up through the northwest Arctic around the North Slope and then drops down into Prudhoe Bay in the oil fields um, in uh, <coughs> Prudhoe Bay mm-hmm. uh, and then down terrestrially through the uh, through the center of Alaska down to the lower 48. Mm-hmm. So that that has been up and running since 2017. We are continuing to, from each, we have landing stations in Nome, Kotzebue, mm-hmm. Point Hope, Wainwright, and Utkiavik, and then down to Prudhoe Bay. Uh, so we're continuing to not only serve those markets, but to uh, expand our network forward using uh, microwave links and fiber extensions to get further into more remote and frontier markets mm-hmm. as well. So we have what's called our in, out, and up strategy. So the in is to leverage, go inward into Alaska, into the more remote areas and provide services to end users and businesses, schools, hospitals, libraries, and that that type of thing. Mm -hmm. The out aspect is we're working on and planning uh, for an expansion to Japan uh, on the east uh, side of our network with a branch unit back to Alaska. And we're also looking at a expansion to the west uh, from our network in Aliktok Point. Uh, which is just north of, of Prudhoe Bay and the oil fields, mm-hmm. and over through uh, Canada, the, the Northwest Passage, into Greenland, Iceland, and then over to the UK. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's essentially the out aspect of our strategy. And the up aspect is, as you can guess, from that location I mentioned in Nukiavik at the high latitude uh, data acquisition site, we will connect to polar orbiting satellites, and we're doing that today 
right now with um, with Atlas uh, Space Operations. So that's essentially the the strategy. Um, the in out and up. We've been we've been operating um, on a um, uh, you know self funded basis since 2017. So great investors behind us and always looking for new opportunities to expand um, and to uh, you know bring value and economic uh, prosperity and development to the region. Okay. Do you have a timeline for the phases of of in out and up or? A- we do, we do, but I mean, there's some things that are still in flux, so it'd be mm-hmm. better for me not to, oh, not to sure. you know, publish okay. those dates at this point. But we've we've okay. got, we've got, we've got some interesting things cooking, and we'll, uh, we'll you know, we'll keep, uh, we'll keep the press release, okay. uh, press releases well, flowing on that. You know where to send it first. All right, don't yeah, worry. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So here, so in terms of your, in terms of your expansion into new areas, do you, does, uh, so does Quintilian work, for example, with a major data center provider? Do you hook up to like a, you know, like, let's say, I know that uh, Quintilian had to deal with, with Equinix uh, in, in yes. Seattle earlier this year, hooking up to an IBX, one of their mm-hmm. IBX data centers, which I know has been, they've also been aggressively expanding. Uh, yeah, those. we're, uh, we're, we're, um, uh, we're good friends with the folks at Equinix. Uh, mm-hmm. We like, we like their model. Uh, we, we essentially um, did a deal uh, with Equinix where we said, okay, we've got, you know, we've got the high latitude uh, ground station uh, teleport location, and we'd like to bring, you know, cloud presence uh, to it. So we basically interconnected vis-a-vis fiber uh, to our location in Nukiavik to the Equinix uh, uh, data center in Seattle. Uh, so that end users, end users that, uh, you know, whether they're delivering data from space or, you know, any other application, can uh, can go ahead and, and look at the Equinix marketplace as a source for interconnection around the globe, mm-hmm. and so we're uh, you know we're 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 very bullish on that opportunity. Sure. Uh, we think there's more deals like that coming. We think that we think that uh, when you look at polar orbit satellites, and you know again the manufacturing costs. I mean the supply chain right right from manufacturing costs to mm-hmm. up operational dropping data is about a $380 billion business right now mm-hmm. and growing more and more so. So we think that that's, uh, that's really where it's at for us. I mean, that's kind of a sweet spot and we'll try to take advantage of that. The other is uh, the oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're showing interest in, in uh, you know, data centers uh, close to their operations for a lot of obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And so there's an opportunity there. We do have an infield network uh, that, uh, that that provides support to the oil and gas industry here in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I don't know if, if uh, folks realize this, but, um, you know, the nearest internet exchange uh, from our space station in uh, our, our ground station in Nukiavik is 1900 miles, yeah. which is essentially the same distance as Phoenix to DC. Wow. And you know, Alaska is a is a massive state. It's two yeah. times the size of Texas, six hundred thousand square feet. And uh, you know, we've got to get more internet infrastructure, uh-huh. uh, fiber infrastructure in the U.S. Arctic, and you know, propagate that you know throughout our other expansion plants as well. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned that part of your you know company's strategic expansion plan involves connecting three continents as well as space. And when I think of ambitions on that scale, as well as the dynamics that are already taking shape uh, throughout the Arctic, I think geopolitical potential geopolitical uh, fault lines. <laughs> so I wonder if you if you can say anything about the kinds of geopolitical issues that may be arising in terms of telecom infrastructure development in the Arctic and how you think those are going to be 
addressed, not necessarily how Quintilian is addressing them or maybe asking for trying. If you can diplomatically answer a question on the geopolitical issues. (laughs) Yes. I'll give it my, I'll give it my best shot. So yeah, we are, we are, you know, keenly interested in those issues and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we're seeing there is a, uh, Let's say the U.S. U.S. government is really, really uh, looking at refining uh, our Arctic strategy, our Arctic security strategy. There's, there's, uh, you know, lots of different uh, players uh, moving around in the area, and again, you know, uh, sea lanes will open up, commercial routes will open up. There'll be new avenues of approach. So we think that there's, you know, there's issues in national defense, strategic resources, and uh, really commercial sea routes, and and. On the national defense side, you know, as, as the ice melts, uh, there's different avenues of approach, right? So that's that's an obvious one. Our existing early warning system uh, is really outdated. And so we're working with various entities to, uh, you know, highlight that and, and offer to fix that if broadband is a component of that fix, which we think it is. But, you know, bottom line is, if you can't communicate in that area, you can't coordinate, you right. can't deter and you can't compete. So we think there's, you know, national defense issues here that, you know, we're just going to continue to make sure that, you know, those, um, those particular entities and buying centers know that we exist and that we're, we're open for business and we are, um, we're flexible in terms of, you know, how we build our our network, both for commercial purposes and for government military purposes as well. The, you know, strategic resources, um, you know, we all know oil and gas exists, but there's also minerals and metals and so on and other, other uh, you know, sources that there's going to be discovery, development and extraction of those. So that's another one of those issues and doing it responsibly um, and, you know, doing it with, you know, full cooperation um, is, is an important thing. I mean, for communications, for the Internet of Things, uh, for various security protocols and, and things of that nature. Uh, the third is, you know, the opening of new commercial sea routes, uh, which, you know, where we were previously ice-free. I mean, I think some estimates are saying there'll be, you know, no ice by 2040. I don't know if that's true or not, but there's certainly, mm-hmm. it's certainly happening where there's less and less now, and we're observing that all the time. So, so again, to wrap it up, we think having fiber on, the, on our northern border and through the Arctic is a good thing from a national security standpoint, national defense, you know, the extraction industries shipping industries and the data center industry as well. So what kinds of investment treaty issues, for example, the Arctic Investment Protocol, I'm thinking, uh, affect infrastructure build out in the Arctic? And how do you how do you think companies can best work within those parameters or, or investors for that matter? Well, I, I, I looked at the um, the uh, uh, Arctic Investment Protocol and, and you know, I can't, I can't find anything I don't mm-hmm. like about it, to be honest with you. I mean, it mm-hmm. basically says, you know, let's kind of combine sustainable economic development with respect for local populations and cultures. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, that's the essence of it. And, and uh, I mean, that, I, I'm, I'm um, I mean, to put it really simply, I'm for it. Uh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't studied the intricate details of that, but I'm not sure that that's really necessary to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, build, build solid infrastructure uh, that doesn't harm the environment or have any other negative consequences. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I think that's what the Arctic Investment Protocol is all about. So that shouldn't be a deterrent. Yeah. So you mentioned the importance of having fiber on the U.S. northern Arctic border. 
what single and maybe this is what this is maybe you've just answered this question but i wonder what single communications project or initiative in the arctic in the broader arctic region not just the us arctic whether or not it's already under development do you think would be most impactful to economic development of the region overall like what would be the biggest bang well we think we think right now the you know, the the ground station the high latitude data acquisition location that i mentioned yes. we think that has we think that has huge potential mm-hmm. i mean that is that is a uh, you know we're looking at right now a uh, we have you know we have a handful of well, we have let's say 5 acres mm-hmm. uh, that we can install these ground stations on we're working on incremental parcels of uh, 20 acres each up to 60 acres. And so our, our hope is to build a dedicated ground station operations for folks like NASA and NOAA and other, other uh, you know, government entities, mm-hmm. and also do a ground station as a service. So there's, there's uh, plenty of ground station antenna uh, in the area where our partner, uh, Alice, communica- or Alice Space Operations, basically can provide uh, ground station operations and service to multiple uh, satellite operators. So we see that as a big, a big component. That's, that's number one. Number two is our expansion to Asia mm-hmm. and to Europe, because we think that that would, um, you know, that that's going to, that's going to result in by far the shortest and lowest latency route between Asia and Europe through North America. And, you know, you're touching three of the, you know, those are the largest uh, economies in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no, nothing connecting them now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you, if you, and you think about the, the polar routes, again, they're shorter. So when you, when you're talking about, you know, uh, cloud uh, related business uh, trading, high frequency trading or the hyperscalers, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be looking for the lowest latency route connecting these three continents without having to go, you know, through the continental U S mm-hmm. uh, to, 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 to span that, to span that route. So we think that's big as well. And then, you know, again, uh, data center development is, yeah. is the other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll work with partners like Equinex and, and others to, uh, to, you know, help advance that, uh, that agenda. So final question. This one just struck me. This one occurred to me. You've mentioned the confluence of so many factors that are shaping Arctic development, whether it's, you know, the emergence of these shipping routes, you know, the build out of you know, fiber and data center infrastructure, the discovery of, of new uh, natural resources, whether it's oil and gas or strategic metals and minerals. Do you think we're going to have, will there be a capital of the Arctic, like a natural economic capital that emerges from all this development? And if so, what do you think it's going to be? Oof. I, I don't Maybe. know. You, you surprised <laughs> me with that question. That was yeah. a little bit beyond my pay grade. I, I don't. I don't know that there'll be a capital. I think there'll yeah. be leaders. I think sure. there'll be leaders to development, and I right. think we, as the U.S., have to play a role in that. I mean, I think yeah. there's. I think the big picture here is, uh, you know, we need to move. We need to move the global economy, right. both physically and through broadband, and you know, having having the shipping lanes. And new routes through the Arctic for actual physical movement of cargo, and having a broadband infrastructure is pretty critical. So I see that as a you know that's an economy mover globally, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's a big deal. I think there's also you know there's 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 other uh, the the natural resource aspect of it. There's 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 new and exciting things discovered all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, again, oil and gas is you know the area is rich in that, but uh, there are other op- other opportunities as well that are more on the green side that need to be um, need to be leveraged, mm-hmm. and 
Um, you know, basically, uh, you know, the, the, the whole green energy, um, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, dwelling on that point right now, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's out there. There's, there's a, uh, you know, geothermal hydro, right. uh, solar, you know, all, all types of, all types of, uh, energy sources to, you know, power data centers and fiber optic infrastructure. So, um, you know, we think there's, we think there's long-term investment opportunities in mm-hmm. the region. They're not for the faint of heart. They're no. not, it's not going to happen in weeks and months. It happens in years, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a process that we need to continue, uh, continue advancing. Absolutely. Any news, uh, any news coming uh, down the pike from Quintillion that you'd like to share with our listeners that you can share with our listeners? Sounds like you might have some press release worthy news before too long, but. Well, well before too long, we had a, <laughs> we had an interesting start to the year. We, mm-hmm. we, uh, we had a couple of you know nice um, um, nice deals come together uh, for us. Uh, you know, uh, an important partnership with uh, you know we have we have uh, wholesale agreements with pretty much all of the uh, cable and phone company operators in Alaska, where we where we actually provide service. So, Tel Alaska, Alaska Communications, uh, DRS, uh, Leonardo, um, Aztec Communications, which is a co-op up on the North Slope. And GCI, and we just announced that that uh, deal with GCI at the beginning of the year. Uh, we announced the um, the rollout of of the uh, high latitude data acquisition mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year. We did it. We did a um, uh, seismic monitoring and censoring project with Sandia Labs uh, earlier this year, and you know we've got uh, we've got a lot of things on the drawing board. So there'll be more to come. Hopefully, you'll have us again. Yes, um, absolutely. I, I sure appreciate sure appreciate uh, you having us and yeah. hope the listeners enjoyed and got something from the conversation as well. Absolutely. Anytime. So Mac McHale and Quintillion bringing, uh, connecting the top of the planet to the 21st century, or maybe the other way around, connecting the rest of the planet to the Arctic. But you're at the very forefront of it. That's for sure. Thank right. you so much for speaking with Investable Universe today. You bet. Thank you, Rebecca. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. That's all we got for Investable Universe this week. If you liked what you heard, share the link, check out the site at investableuniverse.com or pitch us for future episodes. The address is editor at investableuniverse.com. My name is Rebecca Darst and you'll hear more from me next time.